Where did tithing come from? That's a good question. Where do we get the word tithe from? Well, the word tithe is a, is a Hebrew word that means ma'aser, which is a generic word for just 10%. doesn't mean anything more than that. Ma'aser, 10%. It's just a generic word. And in the first instance, in the first usage of this word, is found in Genesis chapter 14, verse 20, in which Abraham gave 10% of his spoil to Melchizedek. This is the first time we see in the Bible ma'aser actually being used. Okay? Now, since we're discussing Abraham giving 10% to Melchizedek, we need to look at four aspects of the tithe that Abraham gave to Melchizedek. We call this the Abrahamic tithe. And there are four facts or four characteristics about the Abrahamic tithe that we need to look at. The first fact about the Abrahamic tithe is, is that it was 100% voluntary tithe. There was no law written at the time stating that Abraham had the tithe. There was no law stating that the children of Israel had the tithe. The children of Israel didn't even exist at the time. It was just Abraham. So when Abraham gave his 10%, he gave it of his own free will. But why did he do it? He did it out of gratitude because God gave him victory over Chedorlaomer. So he gave 10% to Melchizedek out of his own free will. It was voluntary, not required. It was something that he did from his heart. That's the first fact. The second fact is that Abraham's wealth preceded his tithe. Because there are some people today that will teach you that, well, Abraham was, was this tithe was correlated to his wealth. Because when he gave tithe, he, he became wealthy afterwards. Well, that's not necessarily true, people. Um, basically, Abraham was rich and wealthy prior to his tithing. And we can see that written in Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, in which we read that Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother, his brother's son, and all their substance, the Bible says, they, and the souls that they had gathered, which were people that they had gathered in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Now this already explains that prior to Abraham's tithe, he had already had substance and souls. This is why he was able to defeat Chedorlaomer, because he had already had wealth, he already had resources, he already had enough people that he had gathered from, I guess, prior engagements maybe, where he was able to defeat Chedorlaomer and take all their possessions. And with those possessions, he gave 10% to Melchizedek. So it's actually a falsehood to believe that Abraham's tithe was connected to his wealth. He was already wealthy prior to the tithe. Another thing worthy of note that is the next thing we're going to look at is that Abraham only paid tithe once in his life. There's no other scripture written in the Bible in which Abraham paid tithe more than that one time. It was a one-time deal. Okay. The next thing that we're going to look at is that the Abrahamic tithe is actually the only tithe in the Bible that correlates tithe to money or tithe to income. Because remember, when Abraham gave his tithe, it was from the gold and the jewels and all the things that he had gathered from the conquest of the Chilomer people. It was all those possessions that he gave 10% of those possessions to Melchizedek. And that's the only time in the scripture that you'll ever see tithe associated with money. Okay? So now let's look at tithing under the law. Because remember, once the children of Israel come into the picture, and they inhabit their land, God starts instituting tithe as a part of the law for these guys to follow. And there are three things you need to remember about tithing under the law. Now remember, according to the law, tithe was not money. It was food. According to the law, and every time you read the Bible, read the scriptures, according to the Bible, the tithe is never associated to money 
after that first tithe of Abraham. Only Abraham's tithe was associated with money. When we get to the law up until the time of Jesus, tithing is correlated only to food. The next thing was is that there's a misnomer amongst Christian communities that the reason why the children of Israel tithed food was because they were agricultural people and they didn't have money. Well, that's not true. The actual fact is, is that the Israelites did have money. If you read your Bible, they had gold, they had silver, they had shekels, they had all kinds of different types of ways of currency during that time. So they did have money, but the law required them to give food and not money. Okay. And the third thing is that when you hear the word tithe, you got to keep in mind that it's talking about food. Don't confuse tithe with offerings. Offerings are a totally different subject that we're not going to discuss in this class. We're only going to discuss tithing as is under the law and as written in the Bible. Now, now that we're looking at tithing under the law, we must now investigate how tithing was implemented and how tithe, what was its intended use. We're going to look at how tithing was implemented and its intended use. Okay, so uncommon to our common beliefs right now, we always think of tithing as a one one word, one deal thing where, you know, we pay our tithes. Well, according to the Bible, and according to Hebrew law, and according to tradition, according to what the scriptures state, there were actually three forms of tithe that were to be paid. The first one was ma'aser rishon, ma'aser shini, and ma'aser ani. Those were the three forms of tithe that they were required to pay under the law. Now, in Numbers uh, chapter 18, verses 21 and 24, the ma'asher rishon is called the first tithe. It was given to the Levites for the Levites to eat. It was for them to sustain themselves so they wouldn't starve to death. That is called the ma'asher rishon. It's for the Levites. Okay? Then we go into Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 to 26. That is called the ma'asher shini. This is called the second tithe. This tithe was produce that had to be eaten in Jerusalem. Now, if they couldn't take the food to Jerusalem because it was spoiled or something would go bad, then what they would have to do is they would have to sell it, get the money, and then go to Jerusalem and buy food there and then consume the food in the temple. Then we have the third tithe, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 29 through 28, and chapter 26, verse 12. And this is called the Ma'aser Ani. This is called the poor man's tithe or the tithe given to the poor. This was food given to the poor so they could eat. Okay, so now we got to look at what was the purpose of the tithe in the first place. Well, tithing was used specifically to help the poor. Because remember, we got, we're going to look at what the Bible says. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 29. And this will state who the tithe was meant for, who were supposed to be the beneficiaries of the tithe. Because we know it's meant for the poor, but what is the Bible, who, who is the Bible saying that the poor people are? Well, let's look at who the poor people are. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 29. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are in thy gates, shall come, and shall eat, and shall be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which you do. That was the purpose of the tithe, and that was the, those were the intended recipients of the tithe. The tithe was not to be used for lavish living. It was meant to take care of the poor, and it was meant to take care of the Levites, the leaders of the temple at the time, to make sure they had something to eat as well. Okay? Now, according to the law, and this is something very challenging to some people, according to the law, poor people were exempt from tithing. If a person met 
these qualifications that they were a Levite, they were poor, they were a stranger, they were followers, uh, they were um, fatherless, they were widows, they were exempt from tithing. So I know that's hard to believe, but that's what the Bible says. And that's, that's why we're only talking about scriptures today. We're only discussing what tithing is under the scriptures. Now, there are three facts that everyone needs to learn about the curse of the tithe. Because we've already discussed that, yes, God implemented the tithe to take care of who? The poor. And the Levites were included in, with the poor. But now we've got to look at this famous teaching about the curse of the tithe. Now, remember one thing when we're talking about this curse. When it comes to Malachi chapter 3.10, when it says, so that there will be meat in my house, we need to make sure that you understand one thing, that the word meat in Hebrew literally means the word meat. It's talking about making sure that there's enough food in God's house to feed the poor people and the Levites. God wanted to make sure that his men are taken care of, his men of God, his priesthood, and he also wanted to make sure that the poor people were taken care of. Okay? Now, when we read down further, and um, when we go back up to Malachi 3.9, when it says, you know, you're cursed with the curse, the reason why there's a curse is correlated to one thing and one thing only. It's not correlated to a person not tithing. It's correlated to leaders who are robbing the tithe from the poor. So people who are robbing the tithe from the poor are the ones who are being cursed here. It's not talking about because you didn't tithe, you're cursed with a curse. No, it's talking about you robbing from the poor. You're taking a tithe away from the poor, away from the widow, that you're being cursed. Now, how can we see this in the Bible? Well, let's look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 5 because everybody talks about Malachi chapter 3 verses 9, 10, 11, you have robbed God and all this stuff, but let's read it in context. Let's read who the curse was really intended for. Well, let's read Malachi 3 5. So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who what? Defraud and exploit hirelings, the widows, and the fatherless, and deprive aliens of justice. This curse was meant to go against those who are robbing from the widows, the poor, of the people of the society. That's who the curse was meant for. Okay? And whenever you see this word curse in Malachi, there are three other scriptures where this same curse is repeated. So we, can, we got more biblical truth to prove to you that this curse is actually correlated to robbing the poor. And we're going to look at some proof scriptures for this. Proverbs 28:27. What does it say? It says, he that giveth to the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. That means that if you see the poor and you don't take care of them, you just kind of turn a blind eye to them, the Bible says you're cursed because your job is to take care of the poor. The other scripture we're going to look at, Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 19. It says, cursed is the man who withholds justice from the alien, the fatherless, or the widow. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Again, that word curse is directly correlated to when it says you're cursed with a curse in Malachi. That word curse is a direct connection to that curse. Why? Because they have robbed justice from the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. They're robbing the poor. And the final scripture we're going to look at to justify the curse being directed to those who are robbing the poor is Zechariah 5.3. Then he said he unto me, This is the curse that go forth over the face of the whole earth, that everyone that stealeth shall be cut off as on this side according to it, and to everyone that swears shall be cut off on that side according to it as well. That word that says, and this curse that goes forth 
over the face of the earth for everyone that stealeth. That's the same word correlated and connected to will a man rob God. Meaning that they're stealing the tithe away from the poor people to spend on their own lust, to buy whatever they want for their own selves. And the Bible says those who do such things will be cursed. So remember, the word curse that's correlated according to scripture, that word curse is connected only to those who take the tithe away from the poor. Now, when it comes to the curse under, under the law to those who don't pay the tithe, this curse is placed on leaders as well who rob from the tithe. Because remember, the tithe was never to be used for a financial gain. Because the Bible says the Levites were to receive no inheritance. So let's look at this. The curse is connected to leaders who are robbing the tithes from the poor because the Levites were not to have any inheritance. Well, their word in Hebrew, no inheritance, simply means nakalah, which means assets or wealth. They were not allowed to receive assets or wealth. The Levites were exempt from that. They could not receive assets or wealth. They had to live this way as a service unto the Lord. Okay? And you'll never see where God approved of the Levites you know, using a tithe to, to get wealth or to get wealthy. It's not in the Bible. Okay? Now, let's move on to the New Testament for a minute because i got a question for you. Did the Jews tithe in the New Testament? Is there tithing in the New Testament? The answer is absolutely yes. And we're going to read the scripture. It's Matthew 23, 23. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for ye pay tithes of mint, anise, and cumin. Now remember, tithing in the Bible is always correlated to agriculture, food, things that you can consume. And Jesus is even verifying what I'm telling you to be true. Because what do they pay tithes with? Mint, something that you can eat. Anise, something that you can eat. Cumin, something that you can eat. And that's what the Bible says. Now, remember, according to the Bible, the tithe was associated with the food, not money. Do you understand my point? That's where we're coming from today. Now, when we deal with tithing in the early church, one thing that we need to look at is, did the early church tithe? Because once Jesus is gone, once Paul and the apostles come on the scene, did they teach tithing to their people? Well, that word is absolutely no. The apostles did not teach tithing to their people. They actually taught um, a new concept, and that new concept was called free will giving. And we can look at this concept in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. And it says, every man according as he has purposed in his own heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now this is the first time that we see giving associated in the Bible of a man's free will. And that's what the apostles taught. They taught giving out of your free will. Okay. The second thing we're going to look at is that first the church actually gave 100%. Because as we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, we'll see that it says, All the believers were in one mind, in one heart, and no one claimed that any of their possession was their own, but they shared everything that they had. See, in the, in the beginning of this whole new transition from following the tithing under the law from the new thing, which is you know free will giving, the early church, they actually gave 100% of everything that they had, and nobody was in lack. You'll see scriptures associated with that as you study your Bible more. You'll see that there was, there was nothing in lack. 
They gave everything that they had. And then later on, you'll see that the Apostle Paul started teaching the people that they were only required to give a portion of their income. So we see a transition. At first, they were given 100% of everything, land, houses, money, gold, jewels. They gave 100%. And then later on, as time went on, you know, the Apostle Paul started teaching. Hey, let's only give, just only give a percentage of your increase. He didn't say what percentage, just say give a portion of it. Just give some of it. And we can see that written in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people. I do not do what I told the Galatian church to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so when I come, no collections will have to be made. That's Paul teaching the church right then. At first, remember, 100%. Now he's saying, oh, just give a portion. And let's look at this word collection, because that word collection is a deep word, because some people think that that money collection means something that it don't. The Greek word is logia. The word collection in this scripture is logia, which means money gathered for the relief of the poor. And that's what the early church did. Whenever they were asked to give money from their personal income or their personal wealth, they were asked to give it for what? The poor. To make sure that the poor was taken care of. Okay? Now, one thing that we need to note during this time period is that the apostles did not live nor endorse using the tithe to live a lavish lifestyle. You will never see that in the scripture that the apostles lived a lavish lifestyle. We need to follow the examples of what the apostles taught. And here's what they taught. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Check this out. Even until this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place of our own. And we labor working with our hands. Let me, let me explain this to you real quick. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were naked. They were buffeted. And they didn't even have a place to live. You'll read, according to church history, that the Apostle Paul never owned a home. When he was in Rome for his last years of his life, he rented an apartment in Rome. He didn't even own a home. And then it says, and they labored working with their own hands. Being reviled, we blessed. Being persecuted, we suffered. Think about it. This is telling us that because they were working with their hands and because of the way that they were living, the Bible says they were being made fun of. Because they didn't have all this luxury lifestyle that we see today in our modern day society. So they were being made fun of because, you know, they didn't have all that luxury nice stuff. Okay? Now, where does our modern understanding of tithing come from? When was this instituted? So this is the portion of the class where we're going to get involved in church history. And the church history, tithing as we know it, was instituted by the early church fathers of the Catholic Church in 585 AD. And this is recorded in the letter of the bishops assembled at, at Tours in 567 when they brought the issue, hey, uh, we got to come up with a way to, you know, take care of our, our preachers and you know, we got big churches that we're trying to build and no one's giving money like they should, so we got to come up with something. So basically, written in the canons of the Council of Nicon in 585 AD, what ended up happening was this. This council adopted the same payments of the form of tithes that was used by the Jews, which was agricultural, things that you consume, but they also added one thing. You could substitute those tithes with money. And that's where the tithes with money comes from. Where did our modern understanding of tithing come from? It came from, remember, it was instituted by the early church in 585 AD at the Council of Macomb.
This is when the church was trying to grow and it was expanding. And what they were trying to do was they were trying to find ways to pay for their expansion projects. They were building a lot of things. So they instituted that the money could be used for tithing. Okay. Now, remember, their purpose for doing this was to support their growth. Now, what did the Jewish law say about tithing during the early church period? This is very interesting because while the Christians are doing their things, Remember, the Jews are still around and they're doing their things. So what did the early Jewish law say about tithing during the early church history? Well, let's read what it says. According to the Yoredia, uh, chapter 251, verse 3, and here's what it says. A person's own livelihood comes before anyone else, and he has no duty to give charity or tithe until he has his own income. Next comes his parents, if they are poor. Next his grown children. Next his siblings. And next his extended family. Next his neighbor, next the people of his town, and next the people of their other towns, as well as the true residents of the town that are poor of the city. And they precede those who are poor from other cities. That's what the Jewish law stated. And let's read on some other things that we need to understand about what the Jewish law said about the time. The next thing that we need to understand is that under the Old Testament law and under current Jewish law, the Ma'aser tithe could only be received by the Levites. See, there is this big discussion, a big debate right now, and big argument with the Jews versus the pastors. Why? Because the Jews are teaching us and telling everybody, hey, according to the scripture, according to the Torah, according to the Old Testament, only the Levites could receive the tithe. And therefore, pastors have no right to receive the tithe because they're not Levites. And this is what they believe. So thus, to this day, from what I can understand from what I've been reading, Jews today don't even tithe because only the Levites can receive tithe. Now, they do have another form of tithing, which is called charity, where they give 10%, the max 20%, but you'll never see where it's being written that they're giving tithe today in the aspect of the Ma'aser Rishon, the Ma'aser Shemi, and the Ma'aser Ani. You'll never see that. Okay? Another note um, worthy to be mentioned about Jewish law is that the tithe could never be used for personal gain. You could, only, you could not use the tithe to substantiate a lavish lifestyle. Now, one thing worthy of note that I need to make clear to you is that the Jewish law forbids poverty as a means of righteousness. So those who think that poverty is more righteous than being rich, well, the Jewish law forbids that, and I believe the Bible does too, because with poverty comes hardships, but with riches come hardships as well. So the Bible kind of teaches us to live a, a modest lifestyle. I'm not promoting that people be poor because the Bible's against, you know, you living for the sole purpose of being poor. Now, if you happen to be poor, we as the children of God are supposed to take care of you. We're supposed to help you out. But it's not our goal to promote, hey, oh, I'm going to give up everything I got and just be poor and homeless and all that stuff. No, that's not biblical, people, and that's taking it to an extreme. So we got two extremes. We got the we got the prosperity extreme and we got the poverty extreme, and God is in the middle. He's like, look. Live the life, work as hard as you can, do what you can, and if you can't do it, the people of God will help you. And that's what we're here for. Okay? Now, we're going to look at the foreshadowing aspect of tithing. And let's look at the modern explanation of tithing today. We're going to get to the heart of this issue, which is we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. And it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very images of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. We're going to focus on, that, focus on that first sentence. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. See, this whole tithing issue is just a foreshadow of good things to come. 
What was that good thing that came? Free will giving. People giving from their heart. That, hey, you know, I shouldn't have to be forced to give just 10%. If God says give more, give more. Because even under Jewish law, even until today, the max that they can give is 20%. 30% if they really, really feel pushy about it. But no more than 30 But under God's law, under this new law, under this new freedom that we have in Christ, you can give as much as you want, and you can give it when you want. And that's what this whole thing is about. So what is the heart issue of tithing? What is the whole purpose of tithing? Well, the whole purpose of tithing is this, people. It's meant to take care of the poor. It's meant for the leaders of the churches to have something to sustain themselves as well, not to live a lavish lifestyle. You're not supposed to be getting rich off the people's tithe. If you, it's not about tithing or not tithing anymore. It's about giving to God's work. It's about giving to God. Because remember, no matter whether you believe in tithing or whether you don't believe in tithing, we're supposed to give and we're supposed to take care of the poor. And that's what this is all about. So what you really need to do is pray and hear from God about what you should be doing and how you should be giving. Okay? No matter what type of giving you choose to do, whether it's tithing or free will offering or whatever, remember, whether you tithe or whether you just give a regular offering, God is going to bless you regardless because you're giving. And that's what this is all about, people. This is the heart of God right now. He wants you to give freely like he gave his son, Jesus Christ, freely. He wants you to freely give as well.